Welcome to the 100 Master Coaches series featuring master coaches from around the world. Let's journey together on this 100 Master Coaches series with your host, Coach Mel, MCC. Sakina Gordon-Jones is a master certified coach, specializing in strengthening and developing leadership capacity and organizational effectiveness. She has been an executive coach since 2003 and has coached organizational leaders on six continents, in public, private, and government sectors. She coaches leaders to accomplish their most important goals, transform organizational culture, maximize potential, and achieve personal and professional fulfillment. Now onto the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 100 Master Coaches Show. This is Coach Mao, and today we have a special guest, of course, right? All the way from North Carolina, USA, she is none other than Sakina Gordon Jones. Give her a big hand. <laughs> welcome to the show. Wow, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am excited about the time that we're going to spend together. Yeah, it's my total pleasure for that. Um, I know we've had such a good time warming up already. So we're just yes. going to just jump in right now with the first question. Tell us about your coaching journey. How did it all begin for you? Wow. I think that's one of the most interesting questions. And I love when I'm asked this because yeah. it really brings me back. Mm. And the interesting thing uh, for me about that is I was actually working inside of an organization. I was doing strategic planning. In fact, my role at the time, my title was strategic advisor, right? Okay. So it's completely serious. different than coaching, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and what I did was I helped business leaders, the business unit leaders, it's a multinational mm. company around the globe to mm. really think through their strategy. How are they going to accomplish you know, the vision and yeah. what are they doing and how will they be successful, et cetera. And so really that's, that's, that's what's my day-to-day -day life. Mm. And I was working with one particular leader whose organization was growing it had grown to where she had nine new directors reporting to her wow. and she just started to feel lost. And so she said, hey, I need some help with kind of putting together a, a cohesive strategy. So we worked for about four months with her team mm. and really put together a beautiful strategy, in, in fact. And um, the, the directors and the vice presidents were all excited. They had started to talk to their um, direct reports about mm. it and were looking at rolling things out. And she came to me one day and she said, Sakina, this isn't going to work. And wow. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. What's going on? And she says, I think there's a problem. And I'm like, I mean, I'm hearing different things from your team. So what do you think is the problem? Mm. She says, I think I'm the problem. Oh. She said, I think I'm going to get in the way. Mm. Is it possible for you to work with me just one-on-one? -on -one? So, so remember, I'm a, I'm a consultant at this point. So my mindset is, as most consultants, sure, <laughs> we can make something happen. But I had no idea what would happen, right, mm. to be asked that. So it just so happens that day at lunch, I was talking to another colleague and kind of sharing the backstory. And my colleague said, you know, there's this thing called coaching. Maybe that's what you're going to be doing. <laughs> this was 2003. I had not heard the word coaching used in a business context before yeah. that day. So 
intrigued. I start to look this up and I find that the following month in Washington, DC, there's actually a conference going on mm. with business coaches. So I'm really intrigued now because something is happening like a conference and I, yeah. I hadn't even heard about this. Yeah. So I sign up and I drive up um, to DC, a friend and I, and we're in the ballroom of the Marriott and it's full of people that know about this thing. Yeah. And it's a two-day conference, and I'm just blown away when I'm listening to all of this and what's happening, what people are doing. Yeah. And on the second day, the closing day, they say, if there's anybody in the room that's never been coached, we don't want you to leave without that experience. Oh, wow. So my hand goes up, right? And I get to sit at a table for 30 minutes mm. with a coach. Mm. Mel, it was one of the most profound things that happened to me in my professional career. In 30 minutes, I came face to face with something about me that I sort of knew but didn't want to know. In just 30 minutes, in fact, probably mm. within 15 minutes, the coach asked me something that just caused me to pause completely. And I wasn't ever really talked about as being an emotional person. Like I kept my emotions at bay. And that day I really lost it. My emotions just came out. And <laughs> I remember <clears throat> we wrapped up the session and I went to the, the ladies room to just kind of wash my face and my coach came with me. And I remember saying to her, this is one of the most profound things that I've experienced wow. and I wanna be a part of this. And so literally I came back to North Carolina, searched for a coaching program mm. and then spent the next year um, learning how to become a coach. And by 2004, I was a certified professional coach. Ooh, I love that story. And That's how it all began. <laughs> it's not just how you tell it or, or what happened even, it, it is the whole experience. It's, it's like you were on this other tr train going somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, you had to meet yeah. to, at this point, yeah. at this conference at DC on day yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. Half an hour. Yeah. And just imagine if, if you did not put up that hand. I'm just, yes. I'm just thinking of all yes. those permutations, right? And you open yourself up and yeah. that just made a difference. And, and I'm yeah. just so curious, Akina, with that that you brought back, how did you go back and work with this wonderful lady? that you were consulting yeah. and needed your yeah. help? Would you like yeah. to share a bit more? <laughs> well, it's really interesting because I was able to, not that particular year, because I was just mm. learning this, right? Yeah. Really show up as a, as a great coach for her. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. we did some consulting things, helped her to figure some things out. And I, of course, I learned, you know, how to ask better questions and not yeah. tell since that was my <laughs> role. Yeah. But, you know, but I was, I was a novice, <laughs> but I stayed in that organization for a number of years. I actually mm. helped them to take coaching and make it a global offering wow. out of HR. And I ended up coaching all of the C-suite in that organization, except for the CEO. Yeah. And then of course the next layers down. So I really became, I sharpened my coaching mm. during that time. In yeah. fact, within three years, I earned my PCC, right? So well what I will tell you that is amazing in terms of that story for me is 
when I left that organization, which was um, like seven years later to start my coaching practice, that particular woman um, leader mm. wrote me an email and basically said to me, I wouldn't be effective in my position if it had not been for working with you and the coaching. Because years later, I ended up coaching her mm. and her entire leadership team. So good. Started out with, you could have consulted her, but it just moved on and morphed into this beautiful relationship of trust. And not just her, and impacted her life, I'm sure, and impacted her leadership with her team. Mm. And that's not uh, often that I hear these kind of stories where, where coaches get a, a beautiful opportunity to begin within the organization, isn't it? Yeah. Often we hear coaches from the outside trying to get mm -hmm. in into organizations and an external um, provider. But that's so exciting. And, and what was that? impetus for you to kind of say enough of that corporate gig and go solo I guess yeah, <laughs> what was that yeah, for we, you you know it's a cum culmination of things and I find that that's the beautiful thing about life and what I actually help my clients to do is realize you know there's a culmination of things that are happening in your life and all of that is a part of who you are and what you bring absolutely yeah so never never to just discard this part or that part, but just figure mm. out how do you bring it together. Mm. And, um, and, you know, for me, what was happening is I was coaching a lot of leaders and we started working towards them doing more of what they did best. Because what you find out sometimes is that we get put into a box. You know, if you come into an organization and you come in this door with yeah. this skill, that's the yeah. box that you're put in. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard, right? And some people go yeah. 20, years before they venture out of that box to try something else mm. and what i started to learn was as we began to help leaders to really just reflect mm. they were gaining personal insights and realizing mm. that there was more to them than that role that they were yeah. playing yeah. And that in that role, they could bring in other parts of themselves and do yeah. more of what they did best. Yeah. And I started to feel that I wasn't doing more of what I did best, mm. right? Because, you know, as, as I started doing that coaching work, I actually left that role of strategic advisor and took on yeah. a broader role in the organization. I actually became head of their global learning and development. And so that included all of leadership development. And I realized that, you know, there's some competing things for me, right? It's yeah. the opportunity to do the coaching and the opportunity to do the leading. Yeah. And I, I really love the coaching more than the leading. <laughs> And Tell me so about it. <laughs> eventually I just knew I wanted to do more of those things that when I left, I felt nurtured. Yeah, you know, when yeah. I stopped coaching, I felt nurtured. Mm. You know, when I was coaching, I felt strong and I wanted more of that. So yeah. that was the impetus so of planning to get to that point. So good. So good. And coaches often ask us, how do we begin? Because it's that whole brave new world out there, right? One is becoming certified. And then after that, oh, I've got to run a business. Yeah. So I'm not just doing coaching and all the happy days, you know. It's a lot more than that, right? Tell right. us a little bit about your early days as an entrepreneur, coming out, 
stepping yeah. into that zone. How is that? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things about me, right, learning, development, consulting, I think my entire career is about learning. Yeah. And I, I, I need to know some things to, to move forward, you know, i.e. traveling five hours to go to this conference to learn <laughs> yes. some things before. Absolutely. And so when I knew that I was going to do this, you know, stepping out into this practice, mm. I looked for how do I, how do I learn what I need to know? And so I actually signed up for a three-month program on entrepreneurship at one of the <laughs> universities by me. <laughs> So it was a beautiful course um, and it walked you through every step of the journey, Mm. including is entrepreneurship right for you? That was like the first class, you know, (laughs) there's the door personality in the classes here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so that really, really helped me. And I didn't launch it until I completed that. And one of the things that you have to do to to graduate from that program is to lay out your business plan and Mm. have it reviewed by your peers. Mm. So it really did position me to be able to step into this with a business mindset as well as coaching. Nice. And I think that helped me a lot. Um, My CPA, because one of the things it tells you is, okay, you need a team. Even if you're a solopreneur, (laughs) you need a team. You need a lawyer, you need an accountant, you know, right? And so I did, I got got a team. And Mm. I remember my accountant saying to me, well, Sakina, you've got three years to make this (laughs) a a profession, right? Or a career. Otherwise the government is gonna consider it a hobby, right? (laughs) So three years, you have to be profitable. (laughs) So. I, I'll tell you, I wasn't profitable year one. I wasn't profitable year two. Mm-hmm. And year three, boom, boom. profitable. <laughs> well <laughs> done. Profitable ever since. Because, you know, and, and you have to kind of be set up for that. And that's why yeah. I think some coaches don't recognize it. You, you're probably not going to be profitable year one because mm-hmm. there's a lot that you're investing. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's nice. a lot that you're building if you're building a business. And mm. so it really was about building that business and making some investments so that you could actually deliver and get to the point where you can do yeah. the thing that yeah. you want to do. So my journey was slow, but slow in a good way. Um, mm. It was really thought out and um, it was building the brand, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And I'll have to tell you that my journey was probably a little bit different than some coaches, as you mentioned before because I had built such a good solid reputation inside that organization. When I set out, those same leaders were referring me Mm. to their colleagues outside of the organization. I never really had to push marketing Mm. because my marketing became my clients. Wow, that's a one-liner that's gonna be in the books. (laughs) <laughs> my marketing became my clients. Was it that way around? Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. it. That's it. I got yeah. it right. Wow. And they continuously spoke about you. And that was sustainable enough to grow. Wonderful. Literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, over the, is it like 17 years now as a coach? Is that, is yeah. that correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 17 um, years now. It's so good. Um, I'm going to ask you for three top insights over your mm-hmm. 17 years. 
Could wow. you distill it for us? <laughs> that's, a, that's another interesting question because the first thing that pops into my mind is, is about the person, the person that's being the coach. Um, mm. And maybe that's, that's part of the big insight is that coaching is not something you do, yeah. only something you become. It's someone you wow. become. Wow. So it has a lot to do with who you are. And so for me, then the first thing is integrity matters as a coach, right? How you show up in many ways, if you pull out these tools, you know, like I'm going to fire off a question that doesn't really land on your client as though you're necessarily there for them and partnering with them. Yeah. But when you begin to model in fact embed these competencies into who mm. you are that's when mm. i think you become the coach and your curiosity is what the question comes from as opposed yeah. to tool belt of yeah. here's a here's a powerful question to ask yes. so i think that that's, that's an so important good. thing um the other thing i think is authenticity which is also about being a coach mm. it's recognizing that your signature presence has to do not just with the fact that you learned coaching skills, but that you understand how to bring yourself into a room and hold a space and mm -hmm. hold who you are, your coach self and your real self, and that there's some congruence between that. Right. Um, I think those two pieces are really speaking about the being of the coach. And I think that the third thing is, you know, your, your belief. If you hold the belief that that person that you're with or that team that you're with has incredible potential and that you're gonna get an opportunity to witness that potential, if you serve them in helping them to explore I think it really keeps us out of that ego space of I am going to do something here that's going to be spectacular for these folks. Mm. So your doing is actually centered, I think, around your being of a coach. Um, and th those would be the things that come up for me. So deep and so important, right? It's both the doing and the being, but it's where it's placed. As I was just hearing you, it's there of at the being where all the doing comes out from. Right? So yes. it's, it's a reservoir yeah. that comes out from that center. Now, I love that <laughs> word, the reservoir of that. It, it just creates an, it's an image word, you know, so you can sort of yeah. start to see it. Thank you for that. And, you know, in our pre-show, we also talked about your name, the power of that being. I'll ask you to tell the story because it only comes better from you, right? Um, would you like to share a bit of that story? Yeah, sure. You know, you know, the interesting thing as I was sharing was, you know, so I had my name my whole life, but, and my dad told me, you know, where he got the name from, but I, I never knew what it meant. And I never even knew to ask the question, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. Um, but it was a different name, right? 
I never met another Sakina throughout my childhood, even all the way to college. I never met another Sakina. And I grew up in New York, of course. Um, so I was teased a lot and really carried nicknames most of my youth. Later on in life, I get married and we move to North Carolina. And I'm a consultant, you know, so mm -hmm. I've traveled a bit. But I, I get this consulting gig. And there are two consultants that are going to work on this. And so day one, we're at the site and I meet this other consultant and he is um, Jordanian. And so we introduce ourselves. And when I tell him my name, he says, wow, do you know what your name means? And up until that point, no. <laughs> and so he tells me what my name means. And in that moment, I embrace my name more than I ever had throughout my life and continue to embrace it to this day. Now, the interesting thing is after meeting Marwan, I meet other people from the region. I meet a linguist and everybody, when they hear my name says, wow, do you know what your name means? <laughs> and so the power of, of a name mm. really came true to me. And I really tried to line my life up to that. Yeah. But the name Sakina means God-inspired peace of mind. Mm. And it's just such a big thing to consider. And every day I try to think about how I'm living into that. And even yeah. when I work with my clients, yeah. you know, how I bring that into the room uh, or onto the Zoom <laughs> as we are doing now. But, you know, it's, it's, it's something about inspiration and about peace and about recognizing that peace of mind that ability, what we know now is like coaching presence yeah. or even yeah. mindful attention. The brain yeah. works when there's attention that it can focus yeah. before it can reflect, before yeah. it can gain insight. So there's just so much of that name to live into. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that and for living it and being it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Sakina, it makes me wonder in your life, and I'm sure there's been moments of brave. Right? You've already shared a couple. What would be one that you'd like to share today? Perhaps in relation to coaching, a brave moment. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's so many brave moments that we do. Like every, I think, you know, when I wake up and actually get my leg off the bed that's a brave moment <laughs> especially this year oh yeah it's oh yeah stepping into the day is um, <laughs> requires courage <laughs> mm -hmm. oh my goodness but um you know I, I think the easy thing to say would be when i stepped out of the the support and the framework of corporate is required you know some bravery um, but you know what, one of the, the things that actually came up for me, maybe a little bit different. Um, I, before I stepped out, I had a moment where I did something and, and I'm going to tell it this way because I, I'm not recommending anybody do this. <laughs> sure. mm, okay. Thank you. Um, but there was a moment one day when I was coaching inside of my organization, I was coaching somebody in the C-suite. And 
what I didn't know, because I was still new at coaching, what I didn't know was that I was doing some level three listening, okay. right? You know, where you're picking yeah. up some things and it's hard to give language to it, really. Yeah. You know, there's some intuitive things, but there are things that you're just sensing through the different neural pathways. Mm. And it's important for us to, to be able to give something back to our clients with that, you know, some kind of a, a label or description. But I didn't really know how to do that, quite honestly. But I was sensing something. This was my third session. And I had sensed it and picked it up in the first session and even in the second. And here I was at the table with this person the third time. And it was feeling so strong <laughs> that my mind was trying to grapple with it. And I, I didn't know. And, and Mel, I said something that literally put my entire career on the line, oh. right? Because I was an internal coach. Yeah. And I was speaking to power in my organization, yeah. which that day could have sent my bags packing. Mm. I, here's what I said to this person. I said, I don't think I can coach you anymore. <laughs> okay. And, there, and, and, and that, you know, was something that I was picking up that I didn't think was serving right? Mm. But I didn't articulate it mm. very well. <laughs> but when I said that, Mel, I felt like there was silence for two hours. Of course, you know, it was seconds, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. But it came out of my mouth, and I recognized it, and I couldn't put it back in. And this person looked at me, and she said, why can't you coach me? And that's when the thing really fell out. It was courageous to bring this up, but not mature in how it was delivered. Because the next thing that I said was, I don't think I like you. <laughs> wow, that, that was even braver. <laughs> the second that was piece. even braver. <laughs> yes. So it was the oh. most courageous moments in my coaching profession in my career. <clears throat> yeah. And then the silence really was like, you know, five hours, which was probably a whole two minutes of silence of us just looking at each other. And in my mind, in those, mo in those two minutes of silence was hopefully they don't escort you back to your desk. Hopefully should they give you an opportunity to go back, say goodbye to people <laughs> and you'll find something to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But in fact, Mel, what happened was after those minutes of silence, I heard something that I could never have expected to hear. I couldn't eat, I didn't even think that it was possible. I wasn't even, I was just expecting an exit from the organization. And what I heard instead was this person saying to me, you know, this is literally what she said, you know, Sakina, I don't think I like myself either when I come through these gates. It changed everything. And, you know, to shorten the story, I ended up coaching this person on a 12 month assignment, <laughs> right? And it was powerful mm. because mm. we got into to, to places, into things that yeah. we just really got into some transformational work. And so it was a courageous thing to not just cover basically and go along. Yeah even when your whole 
you know, job and career is on the line. On the line, yeah. And it taught me something about really the transformational work of a coach mm. and mm. not just staying with the transactional safe spaces, but to yeah. really you as the coach put as much vulnerability into a relationship as your client does. Mm. Ooh. It's so good. Um, that tells me a couple of things. One is I'm sure you've uh, gone back and said that could have been a better way I could have asked that. And yet what came out of it is just beautiful. I'm taking away that at times we just need to go with the gut. Yeah. Be integrous, obviously, with good intentions, right? And speak it yeah. as it is. And of course, with the care um, covered with it as well. Um, was that one of the turning points of your coaching career? Yes, for sure. And you reminded me of something. You know, there's a scripture that I have learned to adapt and, and literally bring it into my mindset as mm. a coach. And it's, it says, speak the truth in love. Yeah. And so you you hit on it a minute ago, Mel, as you were you know digesting what I said, that it is a part of your being. It's a part of the authenticity that you bring into the relationship that this person <clears throat> that you're working with believes in you too. They believe you're there for good and not to harm them. Yeah. And I believe if you are doing that, then they're they're hearing words that may be hard words to hear, yeah. right? but they recognize that whatever they're hearing is meant for their good. Yeah. And so I think that idea of speaking the truth in love gives us some context in how we engage with our clients. Absolutely. Love, love is a powerful thing. And I was just, you know, the other day reviewing one of the uh, coaching recordings, we were doing some cuts for season one. And I came across uh, Jean-Francois, who shared his first insight. He says, do everything with extreme love. <laughs> I was like, wow, that, that is pure genius, because that just aligns with what you just said, right? The, the whole motive behind what we do and why we do it yeah. must come from a good place. Yeah. I knew I liked JP for a reason. <laughs> uh -huh. Extreme love. I'm going to remember that one. That's, good. That's really good. Um, Sakina, if, if you actually had a chance to do it all again, I know it's like, you know, those 17 years of coaching. Right? What would you do differently? Now, you know, my, my answer to that is going to be, maybe first I'll start with the I don't know, but I, yeah. I, I probably follow that I don't know up with sharing with you maybe a belief that I hold. And I, and I say I don't know because I don't know that I would want a do-over. I don't know. And because of because what I'm sharing with you is, I really believe that much of our 
path in our life is divinely orchestrated. And so we may not feel it in the moment. And, you know, Lord knows, I don't always feel that in the moment. But when you start stop and really reflect, you realize there's some serendipitous things that have happened through your life. That's so right? true. Yeah. So, you know, it's back to the beginning of this conversation when you asked me about how it started. Yeah. Had I not been in that role, had I not been asked that question from that particular client, had I not mm -hmm. had lunch that day, you know, I don't know when these things would have come. So what I realize is everything happens for a reason. And, you know, there's a saying that, you know, that I have that this prepares you for that, right? And so if you don't go through this, you won't be prepared for that. And so this is the what's happened in the past and in the present that mm. is going to help you in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I really think that my career has had some challenges. But what got built in those challenges prepared me for the next thing. And so, you know, in my life, um, there have been so many challenges. And, and even if I think about it, when I came into coaching and into ICF, I didn't see a lot of people that look like me, Mel, right? There, there weren't a lot of brown yeah. skinned people, not a lot yeah. of black people, and certainly not a lot of African-American um, people. Yeah. And even when I became a, an MCC and I looked at the small number of MCCs, I didn't see people that look like me, right? Yeah. And, and in my entire state, there was not another black master coach when you're different there's a lot of challenges and there are some things that you wish you could do to yeah. create a better experience so there's pieces of that but also when i realize the opportunities that were met with strength from something else that i experienced you know when i moved mm. to north carolina i faced extreme prejudice and I hadn't felt that in New York. And so there are things that I built and ways in which I learned how to address and, and live into who I am. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, I think that I wouldn't have changed anything. The person that I am today and the coach that I am today um, is a part of that journey. Thank you. That has been so authentic as an answer that I'm just inspired, inspired by what you just shared. Um, I, I feel similar in, in some ways and probably tell my story in a later part. I'll, I'll say it now in this recording, Sakina. A lot of people start asking me, Mel, will you be part of the 100 Master Coaches in your series? Yes. And like, Mm, no, the hundred master coaches is me being host. I may be the hundred and first <laughs> when I'm done with the series, right? At least for, for that a hundred. And then I'll tell my side of the story. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, I so appreciate how you're telling your true side of the story, how you've experienced it. Thank you. Um, often people say the future is bright. <laughs> futures filled with hope what do you see the future of coaching looking like wow 
I mean, you know, your the question again, I, I probably said this for several of your questions, right? But the question is really, it's profound, it's big. Um, you know, none of us can predict the future. None of us predicted 2020. Um, and not just, you know, the fact that there was a pandemic in 2020, yeah. but the fact that yeah. we got to see um, people in ways that we didn't see them before. The fact yeah. that we had huge global awareness of um, our humanity, our, yeah. our biases, our the fact that our unconscious brain is largely at play. I mean, all of these things that, that came yeah. up. So what does the future look like? It's a big question. But when I think about that, you know, the, one of the things that comes up for me is this coaching has to become much more scalable in the future because in many ways it is for the elite. Yeah. Right. Because coaching has gotten so expensive. Mm. I was teaching a class because I'm also a coach trainer now. Um, and I was teaching a class this week and one of the participants said to me that he was on the internet. He was asking me how to set his fees. And he said he was on the internet and he found a coach that said something like, I was giving a fee <clears throat> of something like, um, $500 an hour to a client, a potential client. And as I yeah. went through the discovery session, I realized it was going to require more of me. And so when I gave them a proposal, it was $2,500 for the hour. And I thought, whoa, wow. like, I don't know who that coach is and I don't want you to tell me, <laughs> but I, I think there is something about mm. our, our, our ethics and and about recognizing that it's not something for the elite. If we really believe coaching yeah. has the ability to transform lives mm. and help people be better, then yeah. it can't be just for some. It yeah. really needs to be for all. Yeah. And so I think we need to think about how do we become a part of that in the future? And how do we bring that kind of coaching because you know one of the things that a lot of coaches are saying now is you know they're concerned about ai and what it might mean for you know the coach and the coach's career and and i think that maybe we shouldn't look at ai as a competition but as a support yeah. um because you know a, a bot is never going to replace Absolutely. a human being yeah. it's not going to replace that human interaction yeah. but it might help at times, right? So maybe instead of thinking about just being a good coach is that we as coaches need to think about becoming great mm -hmm. at coaching because a bot will never be great at coaching yeah. Yeah. because it requires that human intervention. Yeah. But maybe the bigger thing for us to think about is how do we help coaching become scalable where it moves from being something that you can't afford to mm. something that you can't afford yeah. not to. <laughs> so good. Um, in my words, I call it, we've got to democratize coaching. We've got to bring that to the ends of the world, right? The scalability of it must be a focus. Thank you. Absolutely. Sakina, what would be 
that master wisdom that you would like to share with the budding coaches coming in right now? You know, I think budding coaches sometimes get really anxious, um, really thinking about this thing that they're going to be able to do. Yeah. And can they do it really well? And I, mm. I know I've listened even as a mentor coach to, you know, early recordings where there was just so much focus on the, am I getting it right? Did I ask yeah. that question? And yeah. I think the wisdom that I would say is remember that practice doesn't make perfect, right? But practice makes better. <laughs> it makes us better. So really trust in, in what you've learned and, and practice. Every opportunity you get is a practice. I mean, we call our businesses practice for a mm. reason, right? Because mm. we're continuing oh, to practice, yeah. Yeah. right? So and if you believe in that cycle of conscious competence, right? The only way to move from conscious competence to unconscious competence is practice. Mm. So true. just continue to do the work, continue to coach and continue to practice. Mm. And continue to get just a little bit better, just yeah. a little bit better every yeah. single day. I yeah. love that. I think you can marry the practice with the reflection, right? Mm. Because that's a part of practicing, right? Whenever yeah. you practice, you reflect yeah. on how did that work? So that, that practice and reflection and continuously doing that, I think you, before you know it, you become unconsciously competent. Yeah, I love what you say, because it's not about the perfection. If we get and so focused on just perfecting it, um, there are days that we will feel like, you know, we've let someone down or even let ourselves down and we'll be, you know, kind of broken based on that performance of the session. I love how you say it's not about that. It's about just getting better. Mm. Whew. You know, one of the questions that we ask in this show is what would be that powerful question that you would like to share with the audience today? Okay, so if your audience are coaches, well, you know, maybe yeah. it doesn't even matter, whoever listens to this, I think yeah. with what has happened for us in 2020 and what 21 is even bringing our way, mm. it, it draws me back to this sense of understanding our why. What are we doing this for? And if it's just a monetary thing, I mean, you know, we're going to just do something to do it for that. But I, I do think that most coaches that I meet almost feel a call to coach, yeah. right? Something bigger than money. I know for me personally, I, I really feel it's God's purpose for me, right? That I've just lived into. And so, you know, in my mind, it's about serving humanity in a way to help humanity flourish. Yeah. And we need that, right? Yeah. We need that. Definitely. So if in fact we're holding in our mindset that 
what I get to do, what I'm blessed to do, is to sow some seeds in a way that helps humanity to flourish, then I think the question that I would ask everybody is, how are you playing too small? How are you playing too small? Because if we play small, we miss the potential that we have. And we're, as coaches, we're talking about potential, but we can't miss our own potential. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And how do we play that bigger game? How are you right now playing too small? That's the question mm. I would ask. That just stumps me because I'm asking myself that question as well right now. Thank you. Definitely, the world needs to hear this. Um, it is a call. I'm so aligned and, and I resonate with what you just said. If it's not, then it's just, it's just a job. Right? It's just something we do, right? Because yeah. there is something at the end of it. But yeah. when we understand that it's bigger, then something deeper will come forth yeah. that will become, in a way, a blessing to the many out there. Thank you. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm so grateful that you're on this call. I open up this time for you to share with our audience how they can come in contact with you. Sure. Well, that will be easy because... <laughs> people all often ask me, how do I find you? Because I'm not very active in the social media space. <laughs> and even though I do have quote unquote handles, I'm yeah. not doing a lot of activity there. <laughs> so um, it's quite interesting. Um, Transformation Edge is the name of my, um, my business. And, you know, it, it started out as a practice, but it's now a practice that sort of brings work to about 19 people. So it's more of a little business right now. So, so Transformation Edge Coaching and Consulting um, is the, 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 the business. And you could go and just to the website and you know type in uh, transformationedge.com. And that you will find many ways to be in contact with me there. Um, I do have a LinkedIn. Um, if you go to linkedin.com slash in forward slash Sakina, S-A-C-K-E-E-N-A. And you can certainly connect with me there. And probably that's the social media space that you will find me in most. Um, uh, there is an Instagram handle. I think it's also <laughs> Transformation Edge. Um, and Facebook, I think, is also Transformation Edge Coaching. Um, I'm just not very active on those two. So LinkedIn is their better place or the website. You can yeah. easily contact me from transformationedge.com. Beautiful, beautiful. And with that, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart and everyone watching this 100 Master Coaches show. This is the one and only Sakina. That's right. <laughs> And Coach Mal saying thank you. We'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye for now. Thank you. You have been watching the 100 Master Coaches series with your host, Coach Mel, MCC. Brought to you by Catalyst Coach. www.catalystcoach.live
We will be right back with our next master coach on the 100 master coaches series.